What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Coming up, we're going to hit on a bunch of random topics, take your questions, and uh, try to knock out some things before the Hounds are back in action next week. Let's go! Can you believe that, guys? No, I mean, that, that is no, the doesn't. craziest sequence of events we've seen in, all, in quite a period of time. In the top right corner, gentlemen. Up to the middle, back to Kurt. Sorry if I surprised you guys there. I kind of surprised myself with that one. <laughs> that was a, like a beginning of the season. Let's go. I don't know how are you going to top that for the first game of the season. I don't. I don't. I felt like I talked myself into a corner. Like I said, let's, and there was just too much of a pause, and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, no, go. Keeping <laughs> ah. a professional. Ugh. What's up, guys? Josh, what's going on, man? Nothing. I just came back from the dentist like literally half an hour ago. Got my teeth cleaned, so now everything feels weird. Don't like it. <laughs> no, like major uh, procedures or anything like that. No, just a checkup. But it, you know, it's a checkup long in uh, incoming since I haven't gone to the dentist like two years, so or three years, depending on who you're asking. I always <laughs> think of like dentistry as being like this super high tech, like cutting edge practice and things. And and just a few years ago, one of my sons had to have one of their teeth pulled out because there was like crowding and stuff. And so I was in the room watching what happened, and literally, it was like, okay, we're going to shoot up with Novocaine, and they literally just took pliers and ripped his tooth out. Like, I would think there was something, like, you, no, you literally just rip it out, brute strength, and, uh, yeah. Welcome to Mongols, where we <laughs> creep you out with dentistry talk. <laughs> my wife just had a temporary crown put on today, which took her an hour and a half, so this is all fresh on my mind. Gotcha. Um yeah nothing horrifying in my situation it was just a regular teeth cleaning no big deal just kind of boring and yeah that's about it good good kev what's uh what's going on in uh tennessee i mean now i'm afraid to go to the dentist <laughs> after all this talk um it's, well, it's been three years since i went <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah we're just gearing up for the half an inch of snow that's going to shut down the entire city polar um, so. vortex <laughs> I mean, I, I, I joke and I make fun. I mean, part of it is slightly legitimate just because, like, there, I, I want to say there's, like, two salt trucks for the entire region. It's like, well, yeah, like, a lot of things are going to happen. You don't have the resources to deal with it. But, um, but yeah, all good. All good. Okay, question. Salt <laughs> trucks. I don't understand. Like, can't they just have pickup trucks that have, like, the salt dispenser in the back? Like, why does this, like, specialized equipment that is always so terrible for places that are climate weather? It's like, just, just put some salt in the back of a pickup truck, open the bed, and let it pull or pull out. Well, there you go. You're done. <laughs> so what I didn't realize is that, like, the stuff that they put on the ground now um is like some magnesium something or another i i growing up it was always like oh if you put salt down i think it was like 15 degrees it'll raise the temperature 15 degrees so if it's you know 17 degrees or colder the salt's really not going to help you at all ah, okay yeah but this new stuff apparently uh was i was watching the news uh last weekend because we had to drive into town and we saw hamilton and we were like, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we? And on the news, they said, the stuff we put down is good to negative 25 degrees. And wow. I was like, what kind of stuff are they putting down? And literally, when we went out in the morning, everything was wet, and you couldn't tell if it was wet or icy. And when we came home at the end of the day, the roads were bone dry, like like gray. Hmm. And I was like, huh. Talking to my father-in-law, who works on cars, and I guess at one point, he was helping somebody reattach a bumper or something, stuck his hand underneath, and there's a whole bunch of this crud, like that stuff that was on the road. He said it hit his arm and it felt like acid. Like it was like tearing through his arm. He had to run and like soap it off and it was all burned. And Was that the salt or the magnesium stuff? The magnesium stuff. So like mm. there's stuff they're Fantastic. putting on the road these days that are like is nasty. Like it's, yeah, it's no good. Hear that kids? Don't lick the roads. Don't there you lick go. the roads. <laughs> Public service announcement. We're all over the place. Dentistry, don't lick the roads. <laughs> Uh, I want to I, I want to see the kid who was licking roads and then heard you say that. He's the same said, kid oh, that was also licking know. batteries. I mean, it's yeah. the same kid. Yeah. The the D batteries that show off. Or the... <laughs> if that kid's licking the roads, he probably has to go to the dentist now because his teeth are falling out. So we just did full circle, That's full right. circle, full all right, full circle. Ah. In scene and done. So 
Uh, all sorts of stuff to talk about. Uh, obviously, no Hounds game this week, but <laughs> shocker, Hounds start preseason next Friday, 7 p.m., Highmark Stadium. Uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be awesome. Cleveland State, and that's it. Like, there goes our – There go, I shouldn't say that's it. I feel like the start of preseason is the end of the offseason. It's really not. I mean, games don't start until the beginning of March, which is still like a month away, which is nothing. But, uh, yeah, the Hounds are going to be back on the field. Um Guys, as we were sort of setting up for the show, we were bouncing ideas around, things like that. Kev, you uh, you wanted to hit on some bigger topics, so walk us through this. What do you want to talk about here? I don't know. So I, I, I wanted to – I mean, what? We're, we're a different team going into the season. I'm trying to remember what our, where our mindset was last season and how we were going into it. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of excitement, new kit reveals, a lot of new players, new coaches, um, but a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what to expect. Uh and we kind of had to let our expectations be defined as the season went on. We can see how good the players were. We can see how good Lily was and all that kind of stuff. And I think the, I think the, the USL was doing that with us as well. Um, all of that's changed now. Um, I think we, even though we only keep 11 players in the previous roster, I mean, so there's still a lot of question marks on the squad and, and the quality of it and the depth of it. Um, less so with, you know, the core set of players and the manager. So I, I don't know. I wanted to, to kind of maybe ask you guys. I think I'd be curious if we went back to the, the kind of equivalent show last season and tried to find what our predictions and or expectations was for the season because obviously it's very different now. I think, I mean, me personally, I, we're, we're, a, we're a top dog in the East. And I think let's put it this way, anything lower than third. And I think we kind of start asking questions. Now, hold, um, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there because I think this is an interesting point. So I think last year going into the season, you listen to Lily, you listen to all the players and Lily's like, you play to win a championship. And I think that realistically we all wanted to drink that Kool-Aid, but I think in the back of our minds, we're thinking like, this is the first year. If we come in and win a championship this year, like that would be, Kind of crazy. Like, it'd be nice, but I don't expect that happening. Kev, what I want to touch on is you mentioned the Hounds brought back 11 players. So, and I I was looking through the roster real quick. We did bring back 11, but then we sold Francois. So we actually brought back 10. It's not that big of a deal, but somebody's going to call us out on Twitter. So there you go. Um, No. No. (laughs) We have a total of 13 players on the roster right now. You've been rather confident all offseason that we are a top dog in the East. What is it that gives you that confidence? Is it specifically the players that we brought back? Is it just because Lily's had another year in the system? But a lot of these teams don't have a lot of players signed just yet. Why are you so confident that the Hounds are going to be a top dog in the East this year? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking for your point. I think it's 80% Lily, 20% the players that we have returning. Um, I think I was thinking about this today um, as I was just walking to my car. Um, I mean, we saw we saw the mass. I mean, you know, we go from Dave Brandt missing out on the playoffs. I forget where we finished at the end of the season under Brandt's. I think what, it was like was? two spots out of the playoffs, something like that. Somewhere like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, someone someone let us know. Um, <laughs> it's a great show, um, but <laughs> the, please, listeners, do our work for the, us. The number um, the number of messages we got telling us where Gannon University was after last week's show was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. It's NPA guys, <laughs> duh. But 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 anyway, so, I mean, you know, we we go from we go from Brant. All of us were you know wanted to give him a shot. We're, we're relatively you know eager to see him succeed, um, and within a year, you know, we bring in Lily. Now I think what. I, th- I think what that shows me is, is the impact managers have in this league. I think once you get to a certain level in soccer, whether it's American or elsewhere, I think if you, st- if you start getting up high, up a high enough level, then it's, it's, I don't know, maybe player importance starts to take over and you really just need top, top quality players to, to kind of, you know, be top of the league and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, it, for me, Lily has convinced me, he, I, He's not, obviously. This is going to be an overstatement, but Lily almost single-handedly took us from a bottom dweller of the Eastern Conference for a couple years 
and now has turned us into you know we finished third last season we're gonna we're gonna be expect you know high expectations this again again this season this all happened in essentially one season and I, I think it's not only his coaching qualities but it's also his ability to sign the correct players I think that's a really difficult thing um, so I, I think Lily it, it's eighty percent Lily gives me the confidence that um, we're we're gonna be another like repeat from from what we saw last year and and just as a, as a normal fan you always want to see your club get better you always want to see your club progress and so if we progress that means realistically probably anything lower than third is you know you, you start to kind of scratch your head around normally i'd agree but it's, it's also so weird the thing about this league and how much it's changing every year and seeing the different teams and the moves they're making nashville starting to sign players that are going to be more uh, mls quality louisville is louisville so they're they've been up there for a while now they're always going to be a competition um I think it was uh, Dan Yost on uh, the Steel Army Discord just pointed out, like, look at Indy, and they have, like, signed a bunch of the guys from Cincinnati that didn't get signed to the MLS team. Like, they, like, swooped in and signed some of those guys. So they're going to have some talent on Indy's side uh, from the Cincy squad. And then, you know, you you have the, the staples, like Red Bulls are always a challenge if they want to be or they show up that day. Uh, teams like that. So it's, it's one of those things where... I believe in Lily and what he's doing. I think he's a great coach. And always, though, the question is, is the league advancing faster than we are? Uh, I feel like that's a theme we have every year. And I still think we are a great team, and we're going to be. Uh, and, heck, just think about the, the, the squad we have right now isn't going to even be the, the final squad. And how many of those players did Lily sign last season at the very end of preseason? And people that you weren't expecting, like uh, Tommy V, was one of them. Yeah, I, I'm really on board with you there. The only thing is I'll wait to fully agree with you until I actually see it. I, I think right now, I think it still remains, I don't know. Ours to lose? That, yeah. But as far as the league changing and accelerating so much with all the signings that you just mentioned from all the, clu- you know, from all the clubs, I, I want a year to see it. And, convince, and and kind of convince myself that way because, I don't know, I, I think there's a lot of occasions where players move around to different leagues. Leagues have different characteristics within themselves, so it's not a guarantee that an MLS player is going to drop down and just light up the USL. Um, I think that, I mean, obviously there are, we've seen cases even last year where they, they do and it works and it's fine, but I don't know. And, and at the end of the season, if that's the case, then yeah, I'll hold my hand up and say, yep, USL has you know, passes by and we really need to step it up here with player signings or whatever. But I think right, at least right now, I, I want to, I want to see it with my eyes that these MLS players can hack it in a, a different kind of league um, with different play styles and, and all that kind of stuff. It feels almost like in the case of the USL, a good system is better than, uh, well, I mean, that's the case really anywhere. A good, a good system is better than good players. I mean, it, Yes and no. I mean, like, I I completely agree with you with the good system is better than good players for this league. I think, I don't know, I don't watch the MLS close enough to, to know if that statement holds up in the MLS. But, I mean, even Pep Guardiola, the genius manager that he is, spends over $500 million assembling his squad. He needs world-class player you know what I mean now obviously Lily needs to have his signings he needs to have players that are going to do his thing but I think uh I don't know I think system is a lot more important in this league and I think Lily's kind of shown that yeah it's also just because you're not getting those uh record signings that you're getting at MLS level like you can sign a, a top dog uh striker who is international and, and is acclaimed and know that they're going to do some of that heavy lifting for you. Where in USL, you're not getting those guys. You're not getting some top dog striker. And if you are, you're lucky that you finally, you know, you find that diamond in the rough and you just happen to find someone who strikes it big, like a, like a Robbie Vincent for us, like he was just spot on, a Jose Aguero. But you don't always find those players. So you kind of have to rely on the system you have and discipline. And that's where Lily really shines is that discipline aspect. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do have confidence in Lily. My only stipulation is that you never know with this league what's going to be thrown at us. We're not going to have a lot of the, the weakling teams that we had last season, the years before, because they're all dropping down to League One. 
So it's it's one of those things where you know it's becoming more and more pressure in the championship league, and see where that takes us. I think what's interesting, you mentioned sort of a Rob Vincent there. I wonder how much of success in the USL is less based on just talent. And, and, and this, I mean, as I'm saying this, I'm like thinking in my head, like, no, that's not true. But the case of Rob Vincent, it was very much a personality thing. Like Rob clearly had a hunger and like it was him every day training off season by himself. And he made that huge jump. And so I wonder how much of this is just finding those right personalities more so than it is trying to identify great talent, the people that are going to put in the work and they're going to fit in the system, like a Carnardo Forbes, who, I mean, plays indoor in the offseason, just doesn't stop playing. Um, and that's where you're really going to see success in this league. So you may not have a player for an extended period of time, but if you can find the right mindset, that is what is ultimately going to take you over the top in this league. Um, so it'll be interesting. Kev, you're, you're, you're sort of listed here, you know, how will this season be the same slash different from 2018? And we never really got into that. We just sort of talked broadly <laughs> about everything else. I mean, I th- yeah, in a vague sense we did. I, I, I think, you know, it, as we look at this team with different eyes this preseason and compared to last season, I, think, I, I just think so does the league. You know, we're, we're not catching anyone by surprise this year. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of talked about it in last week's show, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more teams that show up to Highmark sitting, you know, with a really deep defensive line and, you know, defending in numbers and saying, you know, come break us down. And so, I mean, that's, I think it's going to be a different experience from game one for us, uh, that we're going to have to try to learn from and adapt to, um, Go ahead. You seem like you want to talk. No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, sort of looking at the Eastern Conference right now, there's 18 teams. And, you know, last year you could sort of look at the the list of teams and be like, eh, that one's going to be kind of easy. This one. Honestly, you look through the list. Atlanta United 2. After the season that Atlanta United 1 had last year in the MLS, like I can see them trying to step up their game. Beth Steele, we're going to talk about in a minute. They're not going to be pushovers. Birmingham is going to be brand new. They're going to want to come in and make some noise. Whether they do or not, who knows? Battery are always there. Charlotte is going to be a decent team this year. Hartford coming in new, want to make some noise. Lily keeps talking about Indy. You guys just mentioned Indy. Like, there might be something there about Indy this year. You have Loden, who is, you know, again, new team, going to want to make some noise potentially. Louisville's. Look look, look at the new teams that we had last season, though. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they're question marks. At at best, they're question marks. I mean, they. Nashville yeah. was a new team last year. Indy was a new team in last year. Like, and- was Atlanta? How many years has Atlanta been around? Atlanta too. I think Atlanta might have been a new team last year too. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not worried about Atlanta too because I feel like they're they're so focused on their first squad that they're they don't have as much uh, depth right. uh, to play with. But if I keep going, so Memphis 901, brand new team, lots of hype around them. They're going to make some noise. Nashville's going to make some noise before going to MLS. Red Bull Two is always there. North Carolina. Ottawa is going to make some noise because it's likely their last season in the USL. You have us, St. Louis. Ottawa's going to make some noise. Listen to yourself. <laughs> Canada pres- uh, yeah. The last Canadian team there. here playing with us. Yeah, Swope Park and then Tampa. Like after Tampa's disappointing season last year, they're going to want to come back. So they're at least looking at on paper the teams. There's no Penn FC here. There's no TFC two here except you know if you want to say Atlanta two maybe, but like. Everybody's going to come in thinking they got a shot at this. So we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I'm not worried. I mean, I'm not worried about us finishing in the t- in the playoff range. Like I feel like that should be expected at this point. Especially even going through that list, I don't. I don't really see why we wouldn't be in a playoff spot if we are the same quality we were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, how far down are we in that list? Are we, are we at the top? Uh, like I feel like we could be but it's kind of a lot of wild cards in there that you have no clue what to expect, uh, especially with all those new teams, even the two teams where it's like, you know, you don't know. These are new teams, new coaches, new systems. Like I, who knows what they're going to be like. Yeah. Kev, you put on here, who's going to have a big season. I'm guessing you meant on the hounds. I was going to ask you guys, if you could pick one team aside from the hounds that you think is going to have a big season this year in the East, who do you think that team would be? Easy answer would be Nashville, just because the fact that this is going to be their last season in the league. They're they're gearing up. They're spending the money towards the MLS, so they they're probably going to have a similar situation that they that Cincy had last year, where they're trying to get those players signed. I don't know if we're going to see any mayhem in you know 
uh, questionable tactics with signing players Gam, with Tam. Gam, Tam, and having him play for the USL team. But uh, if they haven't closed that loophole, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're Nashville, take advantage of the stupid rules while they're still there. Yeah. Kev, what team are you uh, are you thinking might make some noise? No, I, I agree. I mean, like Nashville, if they don't have a big season, then there's going to be serious questions about them going into the MLS. Um, so, no, it's it, the pressure's on them. They need to, it, you know, they can finish first, and everyone's going to say, yeah, you, you should have. Um, so I think it's going to be tough for them. Um, but, I mean, and then all the other staples. I don't know. I'm not expecting Tampa to bounce back, to be honest with you. Um, I'm In my mind, they're kind of firmly a, a mid-table team now. We'll see. I don't know. Um I mean, Louisville's always, you know, I, I don't expect Louisville to go anywhere. I mean, so, yeah, I, Nashville and Louisville are obvious answers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was actually, in the formulation of that question, I was actually thinking more of which, like, Riverhounds player do you think could really kick on the season. And So let's let's yeah. do that. That was going to be my second part of this. So, you know, yeah. you, you ask the question, so I'm going to throw it to you first. Which <laughs> Riverhounds player do you think are going to kick on this season, as you put it? I mean... The two names that, that come to me, I think if if Nico Brett could add consistency to his game, then all of a sudden last season he kind of runs away with a golden boot. So I think if if he perfor- if he, if he can consistently perform at the level that he's shown, and it's not like he didn't it's not like he was crazy inconsistent either. I mean, he had, he had a patch of games where he was just incredible, and then he kind of fell off a cliff. So if he can if he can repeat that, I mean, my God, we're looking at a you know incredible striker there. Um, so I think him, and then I think I think Vonky Azil. I mean, if you can do that in your rookie year, <laughs> that's going to give you so much confidence as a player. So I am I'm I'm picturing the same Vonky Azil we had last season but with even more swagger now and more confidence and more leadership, um, which is an incredible thing to watch. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's only going to get better, which I'm which I'm super excited about. Josh, what do you think? I mean, I think it's obvious. It's going to be like fine wine. Kevin Kerr is going to come in. He's going to have <laughs> the best season ever. He's going to leave top of the league. Ser- serious both question. Both in assists I- and in, in <laughs> goals. What? Serious, <laughs> serious question. I, how many... How many, I, let's say, starts do you think Kevin Curry gets this season? Now, obviously, a lot's up in the air because we don't, even have, we don't have a full squad yet and all that kind of stuff. How many games are there? Uh, what, there's 18 teams in the league, so approximately 36. Oh, whatever the answer is, that's how many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea. I don't know how he – he was injured last season, so I mean that's why he missed so many games that he did. If he didn't get injured, I think we would have seen him in the starting lineup a lot more. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if I mean, it depends on, on how he's doing, but I see no reason why to doubt that he would be in the starting lineup. Mike, what do you think? You know, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the list here. I think, so I think. I mean, as, it, as, you, as you think about that, I'm just going to say, I, I'd be, my preseason guess for Kevin Curry is maybe 10 starts with another, like, 10 appearances off the bench, but we'll see. Bah humbug. Good. <laughs> I said, that's pretty low. That's, I mean. That's really low. That's, that's, a, that's a Kevin low. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this Mongols is the season Kevin, that not, Mongols yeah. Kev plants his flag as the yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Audio Joker. clip it. Yeah. We'll say, we'll say we, can, we, can, we can laugh at me. Or Red book it. <laughs> Put it in the book. <laughs> I'll laugh at you. Um, talking about players that will kick on. Uh, and it feels weird to say this, but Toby. I mean, this is going to be Toby's basically third season. So he has two. And, and we've sort of seen – I mean, you can see this. It takes a little bit more time for center backs to develop. It's not something you just sort of pounce into. And so I think that after two years, you know, the first year he was sort of in and out of the lineup a little bit. Last year he got a lot of playing time next to, to Greenspan and Hugh Roberts. He was able to learn a lot from both of them. And now with Hugh moving on, then, you know, either Lily has identified somebody else he plans on bringing in to play center back with Joe, or he's identified Toby as being that guy. And so I think, you know, a year under Lily, knowing what to expect, coming back, we could see a step up in his game where it's hard to imagine because he did play so well last year, but there were still little, little things. Um, but this could be a year that I think he makes a jump. And I think the other obvious, just sort of looking at the list, 
you know, we know what Forbes is. I think we know what Kerr is. We know what Greenspan is. We know what Dover is. I think Dover could have another great year. I think that the guys who are most likely to make a substantial jump are going to be the Tommy V's, um, the Tobies, maybe some of these younger guys that are coming in, just getting their feet wet in the league. I'm really interested to see what uh, Anthony Velarde does. There was an article that we shared that came out about how I guess he paid his way to come to Pittsburgh for the open tryout and ended up getting signed based on that. Um, but his nice. college coach was like, had no doubt he would get signed um, because of how well he played. So I think uh, of who's on the roster right now, I think it's, it's going to be one of the younger guys that might pop, at least in my mind. Um, I don't, I don't want to say necessarily that I think we've seen Nico's ceiling, but I think that we've seen the type of striker that Nico can be. He's very clinical, but he's also not he's he's scrappy. Like he's gonna get in there and he's gonna shake stuff up. He's, he's not a poacher. A, yeah. He's a poacher. Exactly. Um and so, you know, is he all of a sudden gonna turn into an open play, beat three guys and and you know, dribble twenty yards and score? Probably not. Um But who is at this level? <laughs> well no and, and but but you know the point yeah. is is if somebody's gonna pop Statistically, I think Nico could probably have more goals, but does that mean he's actually playing better, or does that mean that he's getting more distribution, he's getting more chances to score, which was severely lacking last season? So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, and then, Kev, the, your last question you had here is, where do we still need to strengthen based on our lineup? And I think we touched on this a little bit a few weeks ago, but a few things have changed. So what do you have in mind, Kev? Where do you think we need to strengthen? I mean, I don't know. I, I class Velarde still, he's more of an attacker than a midfielder. Yeah. The more I read about him, the more I see about him, he's more of an attacker. So right now we have him, Dos Santos, and Brett. Um, I'd still put Kerr as a midfielder. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, those three names I just said in attack, it doesn't fill me with confidence going into the season. Like I don't think you can look at those three players. You just you just said Nico Brett could be a, a an odds out Golden Boot winner. He can. Okay. I'm not saying he will. Okay. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying like that. You know, prob. You know, I'm not saying statistically he will or something. I, but I I think he can. I think he has the potential to. Um, I don't know. You just want something a bit more certain in attack. I don't know. It's definitely not in defense, though. I mean, I'm 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 happy. I'm happy with where we're at. I mean, we could sign just filler for the rest of, um, for the rest of the defense, and I'd be fine. But I I think at this level, you, you know, you need to be clinical in both boxes. You know, bo- both in defense and attack. And sometimes the midfield can get a little washed away. Um, we'll see if that's the case this season. Like I said, we'll probably have more ball, more more possession, and teams might defend more against us. So that might be a complete incorrect statement by me and we we might have to have a strong midfield to kind of keep possession and move the ball around but um i don't know I, it, it, we got a, a couple more bodies in attack so i'll probably say midfield still but um yeah those are the two areas i'm looking at josh what do you think yeah i mean just because it, it, they're not tested yet and I, I haven't seen the results of these signing yet i'm still going to say attack because that's what we were lacking the most last season and i i feel like that's what uh coach has been doing filling in those gaps for our attack and uh, finding those goals, finding those goal scorers. I just don't know if he has or not. So until I see, you know, the proof in the pudding, I'm, I'm going to say attack is where we need to um, strengthen. Do you guys think that we have like a legit number 10 on this team right now, whose job it is if the other teams park the bus that they can pick apart teams and create space in such a way that we can get the scoring opportunities where last season, a lot of teams would park the bus and that was where we would just run right into them and we couldn't get any chances and we couldn't finish things. Is, is Forbes that player is Kerr that player? Are we hoping that Velarde is that player? Or do we think that I, I think if anything, if, the, if we're missing something, it may be on this team already and we just haven't seen it yet. But I think that was probably the biggest thing that we were missing last season is somebody who can pick apart defenses or move teams around to create space for our forwards to get in behind and actually make something happen. Do you guys think that we have that player now? Or do you think that that's something that maybe we'll find in the next few weeks? I, I think you'd be hard-pressed 
to name five across all of the USL. I mean, I, I think that's a a player that has that skill set. I think is really difficult to find at this level. Um, and that's why I think it kind of goes back to like system almost being more important at this level because it's you're not going to get players that just run a game for 90 minutes um, usually, usually. Um, I think Forbes can be that if we had more possession. I think he just didn't have a lot of opportunities to kind of flex that muscle, if you will, uh, last season. I, I think he has the capabilities to do it. Um, you can see it some. I, I think he's, there's still YouTube highlights of his indoor uh, play and he definitely has great control great vision can pick a pass I think Forbes can I think Velarde definitely can um, from the YouTube highlights I think he is you know at that level he was playing at at D2 Pack West or whatever I think he was the quintessential number 10 because um, he definitely wasn't a striker um, but he sure as crap wasn't a you know controller midfielder like Canada Forbes is so yeah, we might have it in our squad, but I think at the, same, at the same time, it's really hard to find a player that can do all those things at this level. Yeah, I mean, it's that's pretty much everything Kevin just said. It's just the fact that it, if a player is that in this league, they're probably getting poached into MLS, uh, into a different league, because that is hard to find. Um, I'd be happy with just a really good assist player, someone who can link up with our forwards it doesn't even if it's not necessarily someone who's distributing the ball it's more of just getting the ball in the box where it's supposed to be for our strikers and it, it, that you bringing that up josh i mean i think i think we'll see a big increase in production out of the likes of like jordan dover this season um if if we're, if we're playing dos santos 50 percent of the games i mean he is a he is a target to aim at so if if we see our fullbacks getting up the field, putting in crosses, which Dover can definitely do. I mean, what, he's Dover scores in Cincy, I want to say. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, he has a propensity to, to go forward. Um, so, you know, with the likes of, if you know, if we're playing Dos Santos and someone else or something like that, I mean, there, there's there's going to be bodies in the box for us. Um, so, if we, you know, we, we might see a big, you know, we, we, we might see more assists coming from the likes of Dover. And if, if Ryan James is going to be playing the opposite fullback or whatever, if, if, if he can do that too, that'd be great. Yeah. So that's what we think. Let us know what you think. Where do you think the Hounds still need to strengthen? Obviously, there are, what, I think 13 players last time I checked. Yep, 13 players that officially signed into this roster. Preseason starts next Friday. So we may hear some more signings over the next two weeks. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe more signings will just come out. I think Lily said he wanted to go into the season with roughly 23, which means 10 more players. Obviously, we're going to need some keepers. Um, We only got one on the roster right now, so two of those are likely to be keepers. But uh, we'll see where else things come from. But it's interesting. It's a good conversation. So let us know. Where do you think the Hounds need to strengthen? Um, Guys, I had a whole other thing on here about the MLS draft and should it still exist. We're already 30 minutes into the show, and people sent us a bunch of questions. So we're just going to skip that we'll save that for another time um if you're interested in it there was a lot of stuff that went down uh philadelphia union and the mls basically just traded all of their draft picks to cincy for allocation money and basically said we're done with the mls draft it doesn't do anything for us so the usl show actually had a really good conversation about what is the value of the mls draft anymore so if you want to hear their take on it go listen to it over there otherwise if you still want us to talk about it we can talk about it on some other show Let's get into the listener questions. I just said that we had a bunch of topics, and if anybody has questions, and we got bombarded with questions. So thank you, everybody, who submitted questions. Um, Some of you submitted multiple questions, so I'm just going to sort of pick some here. Uh, Our very own Laura Allen said, if you could be an assistant for Coach Lilly, what technical aspect would you oversee? Josh. Okay. Wait, does that mean clarification question? Mm -hmm. Does that mean like what? you're the passing expert or you're the fitness expert like what like what does that mean laura ellen what do you mean yeah <laughs> since i'm I'm not even going to try to do a laura ellen impression so we're just going to have to think about what she darn what she, yeah, what she potentially <laughs> meant what technical aspect would you oversee yeah I can lead off. Uh, mine's going to be goal celebrations. Okay. I feel like, you know, that's a that's a very key moment. It's going to get you on a highlight reel. Uh, if you do a good enough one, if you, you know, 
do a great dance, you're going to be on ESPN or something like that. So you, you really do have to, you know, have that showmanship. So uh, I feel like a little bit of showmanship uh, uh, schooling is in order. I'm, I'm... You, you know you'd have to audition for that. Uh, <laughs> I yep. am not going to audition for this. Uh, this is uh, just obviously a, a given that I would be spectacular at teaching these uh, celebrations. I, I've seen them all on FIFA. It's fine. I can just <laughs> pick them all out. I'm, I'm just picturing you standing at the front of a room with like a projector screen and you have like one of those batons and you're like pointing like, what was that? What kind of celebration was that? Fortnite? Really? Fortnite dance? Fortnite? What year is this? All right. <laughs> you're benched. No more goals for you. It's not 2018. Come on. Yeah. We're, we're, what do you think that you would oversee? Speaking of, I mean, I think it'd be kind of fun to do the video analysis. I'd love to go back and like pause the game and like you know circle things and draw arrows on the board and say you need to be. I don't know. I think that'd be kind of cool. But I think Lily see probably the whole has crowd that. falling asleep, all the players slowly dozing off, and then you can come in <laughs> and yell at them, and okay. then they'll pay attention. I feel like this would totally undercut Lily, but I would totally be like the. Uh, the empathy guy where like Lily just tears people down and I go and I'm like, it's all right, man. You're doing great. You just keep up. You're, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry. It's okay. Listen to what he said, but you're, you're still a good person. Don't worry. It's, it's cool. So, uh, yeah, I think if there was a, if there was a, uh, empathy you know, that position. job does definitely exist. There, yeah. Like I a, think Pelusic was that. I'm pretty positive. Pelusic was that. Yeah. So I think that would be me. I would just sort of sit there and when I see guys start to cry, I like, you know, take them some oranges and be like, it's cool. You're good. You're good. It's all right. Don't worry. We'll all laugh about this later. So, um, uh, random one that I thought was interesting. Do you and your significant other celebrate Valentine's day? Josh, do you and Liz celebrate Valentine's day? Depends on if we feel like it. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where it's like, do you want to go out? Eh, I kind of want to stay in. Yeah. All right, let's order Chinese. There we go. That's <laughs> celebrating. Kev, how about you and Same. Riley? Yeah, no, it's it's really low key. I mean, we'll get us, we'll, we'll probably cook dinner together and and make something. But uh, outside of that, it's pretty much it. It's funny, like I, I remember back to the, like the single. Well, I was, I started dating my wife in high school, but like the single days where it was like this valentine's day was a big deal now especially with three kids i'm like are we getting each other something no okay cool all right happy valentine's day like it's just not i'm you said romance (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's a good thing another day closer to death (laughs) it's a good thing i'm off the market because i know that uh, people would be just itching to get to me after that one Uh, wasn't it funny too like as a kid i don't know i remember as a kid celebrating valentine's day probably more than i do now like with the candied hearts and like paper mache cut not paper mache but like paper stock scissors cut it in shape of hearts distribute it to like you have to make your valentine's box remember that was that thing yeah Yeah. i don't know if it's like a regional thing i don't know Mm -hmm. if you know ohio's weird but yeah make your valentine's box in in school and having to buy all the valentine's cards Man, what a racket. I mean, as a kid, Valentine's Day was like, it was almost like second Halloween. Like, you just sort of sit back and people give you candy. And it's like, cool, sweet, awesome. Yeah, love you too. Sure. Here's my candy. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever. Hand over the, the Hershey Kisses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you love me without candy? You don't really love me. Go away. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Lara Ellen, for those questions. Um, Yik Yak of Uptown asked or said, I don't have anything instructive to ask, so what is your Monopoly board piece? Now, I feel like this could be really competitive because just like in Monopoly, as soon as somebody claims one piece, you're like, damn it, that was my piece. So I'm going to take the dog. So you guys can't take the dog if you were going to take the dog. So I'm taking the dog. Well, I refuse to finish this podcast. podcast has now gone into shutdown because <laughs> uh, I, I i didn't like monopoly at all growing up i i would take whatever but i guess i remember the was it the the thimble yeah that, that was that was one of them i just grabbed that one you need a thimble kev you're left with the the shoe or the top hat or the i actually really like the shoe you the like the shoe good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it looks like a good-looking shoe. Uh, here's the thing about Monopoly. For the longest time, I resisted and refused to believe that there were pl- 
places on the board that statistically get landed on more than others. You were wrong. Um, until I finally recently sat down and like read about it, and I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that trick or whatever, I'm not going to reveal it in case you want to keep your edge over players. That's a different podcast. Uh, (laughs) Kevin's uh, board game (laughs) tactics podcast. My my parents got the kids Pittsburghopoly for Christmas, which is basically Monopoly, but with a bunch of Pittsburgh locations. And now my kids think that I'm utterly ruthless in that game because I crushed them the last time we played. But it was just because they, they... I bought key locations and put buildings on it, and they went bankrupt, and that was it. And so you listen to Kevin's. I podcast. listen to Kevin's podcast. <laughs> That's right. you do which ones to to buy up. That's, That's smart. Right. That's right. So research. That's the key. So there you go, Yik Yak. We have the uh, the dog, the thimble, and the shoe. Those are those are our pieces. I think it's boot, but or boot, out. whatever. <laughs> Storino said, how about a Steel Army SC shout-out? Our first game will be this Sunday since last night's opponent dropped out of this league. Absolutely, man. Like, I feel like after uh, the Peace on the Pitch event, we're sort of somewhat brothers and sisters in arms here. So if, if we're not taking the field, we're totally behind Steel Army SC here. So go cause some havoc out there um, in whatever Is there a place where you know, those in Pittsburgh can go watch this? <laughs> I wish I could remember, but uh, contact Steel Army on Twitter, and we'll give you all the information because I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, yeah. we'll have to get like a re- regular schedule and just remind people to get down and watch it. Yeah, or Storino, just send us like uh, scores and like who scored, and we'll totally hype it up on. The- we'll we'll talk like who's getting <laughs> nice. traded, and like we'll do all that. So yeah, keep us in the loop. Locker room drama. <laughs> if you have any, you know. <laughs> Who drank too much before the game? Yeah. Like it was puking on the field. Yeah, we want to know it all. Awesome stuff. Um, Logan Naraki. Sorry if I mispronounced that. What Premier League club do the Hounds most resemble from a management style of play, etc. Standpoint. Kev, I'm gonna defer to you on this one. And Josh, you're welcome to chime in. I have watched zero Premier League aside from highlights so far this season, and I feel very much like a. Um, uh, uh, there's a phrase about like a heart in 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 want. Like I've intentionally not watched anything so that I'm so much more drawn to the hounds when the season starts because I literally haven't watched anything all off season. So yeah, this is the floor is yours. What Premier League team are we most like? Uh, immediately I thought of either Burnley or Watford. Um, I think those two clubs. They, I mean, they don't have a ton of technicians, but they have been pretty stable in the Premier League despite very minimal resources um, through sheer kind of determination. And, you know, their style of play is very, like, we're just going to outwork you. Um, not to the, not the pigeonhole and say, you know, our current side and Lily is just a hardworking team and nothing else. But, uh, yeah, I'd say either Burnley or Watford. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like due to the fact that we are finishing – higher up in the table you kind of have to look at the higher up table league or teams now uh maybe a tottenham isn't too bad of a comparison uh before that we are definitely like an everton uh you know uh you guys didn't finish last good job (laughs) you weren't at the very bottom you were you know in the middle there so yeah i feel like now though we definitely have to compare ourselves to maybe a little bit more of a prestigious team that uh, just doesn't spend as much money as the other ones. Tottenham sounds good to me. I like that. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Logan. Bryce Davis the third. This is this is an interesting one. He said, "Should the Riverhounds look at doing what Chattanooga FC ownership just did, which was allowing the fans or allowing fans to buy into the team? Why would that work in Pittsburgh, and why wouldn't it work in Pittsburgh?" For so for those who missed it, um, it was going around on social media. Uh, I guess last week, really, Chattanooga. Um, put out, I think it was $150 a share, something like that, to be a partial owner in their League One side team. And we know a, a bunch of people um, that are involved in BGN that went out and are now proud owners of their own USL team. They got a little certificate and a pin, and they get to vote on decisions based on the number of shares that they have and all of that. So the question is, should the Riverhounds look at doing something like that. And if they did do that, would something like that work? Or why wouldn't it work in Pittsburgh? So let's start with just, should the Hounds look at 
doing something where the fans could buy in and potentially be owners in the team. Josh, what do you think about this? Okay, so part of me feels like this is all just a publicity stunt and it doesn't really matter that much because I don't think the partial owners get that much of a percentage of the vote. I feel like it's like 30% or something like that, if that. So it's not like they have a majority. Like, they can't decide something major. Like, and it's, to me, it kind of waters it down because there's no, like, definite amount of shares. It's just how many they sell. That's how many they sell. Um, So it kind of feels like a publicity stunt. With that said, I like the publicity stunt that it is. I feel like it is a cool way to make you feel like you have more investment in this team. And that you follow closer the the happenings of the team because you feel like you are invested at that point. Literally, with money, you're invested. And the fact that you have a vote kind of makes you feel like, oh, I should know what's going on. So, yes, it's probably kind of a gimmicky thing to do and kind of just headline grabbing and that's it. But it's not a terrible idea. <laughs> Kev, what's your take on this? Yeah, I, I love the idea, and I mean so much so that I almost want to like get you guys back, and I'll write up an agenda, and let's do a full podcast on it. Um, <laughs> honestly, because so like I because I want to prepare more for this. I, I haven't had a ton of time to. So I, there are examples um, all around the world of of soccer clubs being at least partially owned by um, supporters groups, and I think, like I said, I wish I can give more examples of here's where it worked really successfully. Now, obviously, like Josh, you just mentioned, there's a lot of cases where, you know, it, the, the the percentage owned by fans is so low that you can't make any kind of voting impact. But I think nine times out of 10, depending on how things structured, a lot of times that'll at least get you more respected and legitimate access to have conversations and dialogue with owners of the club. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of examples, especially like going on in, in English soccer right now, European soccer, where ownership of a team is just like kind of kind of poisoning the club in a lot of ways. I mean, Newcastle's a great example right now where I would it seems like 99.9% of all those fans, if they could, would would throw money in to try to buy the club away from uh, I forget his name. It's, it's someone's gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember it immediately after this. But the owner of, of Newcastle, um, he's just kind of he's he's dragging the club right down right now. But so I think I think it's I think it's great because I think also nine times out of ten it keeps the interest and support for the club tied to the community rather than um, the potential for it to fall in the hands of someone who's less interested in tying a club to a community. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of challenges that go over with that. Um, it's just from a purely financial standpoint. Um, so I, th- I think it can work. I think it, it tends to work obviously better in lower leagues. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great question. So, okay. Mike Ashley, sorry. Mike Ashley is the Newcastle owner. Boom. Boom. <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's say, you know, Josh, you mentioned that it's, it's sort of gimmicky. You know, it's 30% of the vote. and they're, I don't know for sure if it's right, 30%, right, right. but I think it's something like if that. We're, yeah. If we're saying theoretically it's 30% of the vote, and so, you know, they're just selling as many shares as they can, so you don't actually have, like, a concrete ownership in it. Let's say, that, let's say we scrap that. Let's say that the Hounds decide tomorrow to say that we're going to make the team – 45% owned by the fans. Or, or let me let me put it this way. What percentage do you think would make it not gimmicky? I mean, cuz uh, you know, Tuffy owns at 100% right now. And if it was 45%, the fans could vote and Tuffy could still be like, mm, I don't want to do that. Not that Tuffy would do that. I'm not painting a picture. Tuffy has been very receptive to anything that we've sort of thrown out there. It's the it's the whole future protection of the club, though. If right. Tuffy eventually moves on, right? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what percentage do we think makes this something that is worth doing for a team, and it's not gimmicky? Is it fifty one percent? I mean, is that is that the number? I, I feel like it. It yeah. I've, I, at that point, you have overriding control. Now, granted, th- does that mean that a you know the ownership, the the fans who own 
the shares they all vote and whatever they vote on is 51 percent or do you split that is it like oh well you know 38 percent of the 51 percent voted on this and the other like can you split the vote like that or is it actually like hey the majority say they want this 51 percent that's a big deal <laughs> yeah i think i think it would have to be like okay of all everybody that makes up that 51 percent poll would have to vote and whatever the majority selects that's the that is the decision for that 51 percent um so i think that's i it's an interesting conversation and kev i think i think you're right i think we could talk about this a lot but let's let's sort of put that aside for now do you think something like that would work in pittsburgh like if the hounds rather than saying do we think it would work if the hounds came out tomorrow and said we're doing this how quickly are you going to buy up shares? Or are you being like, no, I'm not going to do it. Josh, are you buying shares? Yeah, I'm buying shares. Yeah. Kev, are you buying shares? Yeah, I'm totally buying yeah, shares. Yeah, I'm definitely buying shares. <laughs> See, this is, I mean, but uh, this gets back to the like logistical difficulties of it, obviously, because it's like, in order for it to, let's say, you know, 50,000 shares get bought one share per person. You can't have 50,000 people in a room trying to have their voice heard so you would have to almost kind of i mean maybe you can i don't know i haven't thought about this deeply enough but it would almost something have to be like some kind of supporters group where you have representatives and have conversations with people at the club and the board and i think that's also like i said i don't know the legalities of owning parcel shares in a sports team i don't know if you have to you know like legally you have to have access to have these conversations you know, obviously the person with the majority share can, can just, in a way, ignore you, but at least it gets you in front of them and, and having the conversations, which I think is really valuable and really important. But no, I, I, I can't see any reason why it can't work in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think, I think the only thing is it's not like we're a city that just had soccer. There's obviously a lot of other sports interest in the city. Um, so as far as like trying to grapple for, you know, people's money that goes towards sporting entertainment it's not like there's a huge you know pull to draw from there but at the same time yeah i i don't i don't see any reason why you can't just open it up and see where it goes um i think it'd be i think it'd be really interesting does something like this generate more interest in the hounds in the city like is this a newsworthy thing where it's like oh and part of the the you know a professional team in pittsburgh yeah, I can see a lot of think pieces being written about it, you know, interviews about it, what it means, how is this different from the other sports team in Pittsburgh, actually locally owned, that type of feel to it. So I, I could see it drumming up a lot of good headlines. Um, would they last? Would it be a lasting effect? Would people care about it two years from now? I don't know. But uh, the, at the time of doing it, and it looked like Chattanooga, I, I just read something about it, it said like 8,000 shares were being sold, and that's it. So there is a limit, which is nice to know. It's not just like a, you know unlimited buy them until they're gone type of stage. Yeah. No. When, and like I don't, I don't know how the structure is of the Pirates, Penguins, or Steelers, but presumably they're not even partially no. owned by fans. So, I mean, at that point, you can you know you write your own headline saying like, you know, this is truly the the – the People's Club of Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's there's no other sporting team in Pittsburgh that has as much, you know, fan representation than the Riverhounds would, if that happens, obviously. Yeah. So it's a really cool idea. Um, whether or not it'll ever happen, who knows. Um, I don't know necessarily if the Hounds are in a situation where they would need that to happen right now. But, um, I, yeah. I mean, just as a fun game, let's say... Shares are gone. Wait, what were they for Chattanooga? One fifty. I think they're if shares if shares went up tomorrow for one fifty, and we put a cap on it that a fan can only buy ten shares. Um, you know, tweet us. Would you buy a share? Would you buy ten shares? Would you ignore it? Are you not interested? I don't know. It's let's 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 gauge the interest. That's 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 a very interesting question. So yeah, let us yeah. let us know what you think. We'll we'll tweet it out and uh, and and we'll see what everybody says. So Bryce, thank you for that question. <clears throat> Last one, guys, because we're, we're running out of time here. Um, Alex Bradley asks, do we need to add a striker of equal or greater quality of Nico Brett and greater consistency to make a deep run into the playoffs? So we talked about Nico and consistency and all of that a little bit earlier, but having somebody else to um, potentially 
partner with him or sort of step in when he's not playing his consistency consistently apologies um is that going to be required for us to make a deep run what do you what do you guys think kev so obviously alex doesn't think DeSantos is the answer to that (laughs) (laughs) uh no absolutely and look i think the other thing is i don't think it's ever really a i don't think it's ever a bad thing to buy more attacking players um I mean, we saw, because for this one reason alone, if they don't work out, you can you can more easily move on and sell attackers than midfielder defending players. I know that's difficult with the length of contracts. We'd probably be more likely to just drop them. But we have the case of Francois, where we, we extend his contract. And, I mean, he, look, Francois had a relatively good season last season, but his numbers weren't great. And still, you know, we had, we had, he moved on to Ottawa, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Ottawa comes in and pays money for him. So, you know, the club generates some, some, I don't know if it's profit. Presumably, maybe they made a profit off of him. But, you know, that's a way to get in money. So, yeah, I mean, like Alex Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United manager from a while ago, always kind of said, like, he'd buy strikers all the time because he knew he could sell them. Um, and I think that's probably the case here as well. Um, I don't think there's, yeah, I, for sure, I'd totally buy more. So this went from a do we need one for a deep run to just buy them all. Like, we just buy want them all. Them all. <laughs> but is one going to actually help us make a deep run, Josh? Or do we need one for a deep run? Or how are you feeling at this point with our striker situation? I mean, if we're talking like Nico Brett style striker, I don't think that's the answer. I don't want to copy and paste Nico Brett, not because he's not a great striker. It's just because I don't feel like the answer is to get the same type of striker. We need a variety in attack. We need some different qualities in a different striker. So I don't want to copy and paste Nico Brett. That's not the answer. But we do need another striker that can bring something new to the table, that can bring more depth and just more variety to our attack. So, yes, we do need another striker. Um someone who can kind of compliment Nico's style. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we need exactly what Nico brings to the table. Well, and I mean, just looking at last year's roster, I don't think any of us were huge fans of Parks, but there were moments where just based on his size and his speed, that was something that defenses had to respect. And then you had Francois, again, had to be respected. Both of those guys are gone. And we sort of talked about it doesn't feel like Dos Santos is necessarily a a replacement for either of those two. He's sort of a different kind of skill set. So you've lost two things that, you know, the other teams definitely have to keep an eye out for so they can't necessarily 100% key in on Nico Brett. So, you know, what happens again over the next month plus while we get ready for the regular season to start is going to be very interesting in terms of who we sign to try to fill just those spots on the field to take up personnel from the other team you know whether they're contributing or not they need to be some sort of threat so uh so yeah we'll see i I don't i don't know if we necessarily need another striker of sort of nico's quality to make a deep run i think that you know you sort of look at obviously louisville won last year and they had lancaster who just sort of tore it up but that was sort of you know when lancaster wasn't there it wasn't like they had a ton of other players or other strikers that were burying the, the, the ball in the back of the net. So I think it can be done if you have, you know, one person that's scoring most of the goals, but we also know that Lily doesn't want one person scoring most of the goals. So you're going to be more versatile if you have more players contributing than what we had last year. And I think that's going to be the key. Yeah. I mean, the answer might be what Lily alluded to in the interview in, in that it, it, the numbers might not purely come from, another striker on the field putting in goals it might come from an increase in the production of the midfielders creating chances I mean it's very possible we just didn't create enough chances as a team last season and so our our, our goal output suffered because of it um, you know if, if we can improve that part of our game uh, then you know the likes of of Brett Forbes Kerr whatever their numbers naturally go up um, so that that might be the the answer as well so, Alex, thank you for the question. Guys, We, like I said, we are basically out of time. Just one last thing I wanted to plug here. We did a lot in 2018. Um, you know, we added, in terms of we, I mean sort of the Mongols crew. Obviously, the Mongols crew grew by officially by three um, up to six with the addition of Laura Allen, Liz, and Justin. 
We added a formal preview show last year where Justin sat down with opposing teams um, or fans from opposing teams to learn more about what we might see each weekend, which seemed to be a huge hit. And then Liz was completely crushing it with the full 90, which will absolutely be back. So heading into 2019, what else would you like to see and hear from from Mongols? You know, we're, we're very receptive. We want to be where you guys feel that there is a gap to fill. So, um, you know, if you have any ideas about places we can be, whether it's on social media or different kinds of shows or um, anything in general, you know, really just want to open it up and uh, and get your feedback. Um, let us know what you think, because, uh, you know, we do take we do listen. We do want to hear what you have to say um, to help continue to sort of grow this conversation so that we uh, we're all sort of contributing and talking about the hounds and supporting this team as it continues to grow. So let us know. Guys, otherwise, next big news that we have is obviously next week, uh, next Friday, 7 p.m., as I mentioned, Cleveland State, Highmark Stadium. The Hounds are back on the field, which is going to be awesome. Who knows what kind of signings we might see between now and then. We're going to try to get somebody on the show for next week. Uh, so we'll see who we can get and talk to before the preseason, the, the, the first games of the preseason officially kick off. The team, I think, is supposed to start camp on Friday. I think Coach kept saying, like, February 1st. Uh, right around there so the team will officially be training so here we go uh, this is the last show prior to i guess the preseason officially starting which is kind of crazy gentlemen i guess anything else from either of you at this point we good kevin's ready for this to go yes i want the season to start Let's... well preseason start i just want things to start yeah. yeah it's uh it's definitely going to be an exciting one so Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, thanks for all of the questions from all the supporters, and thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. If you're looking for more great USL news, head over to uslnews.com and check out all the great articles and podcasts that are there and part of the BGN family. You can follow us on Twitter at Mongols and at WoMongols. Email us at mongols at bgn.fm. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.